Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Cats Illustrated podcast. I am your host and publisher, Justin Rowland. Always wonderful when you listen and spread the word and subscribe on iTunes and rate us. Five-star ratings are outstanding, but whatever you want to rate us is great. Uh, it's going to be a solo pod today. Normally, I'll bring on somebody. Uh, we've, we've had Jeff Drummond, our managing editor. We've had David Sisk, our basketball recruiting analyst. We've had... Uh, Jackie Franchuli from the, the Florida site. We've had someone covering Central Michigan, but it's going to be a solo pod today. Um, it's Friday afternoon, and I wanted to touch on a range of topics related to Kentucky football and Kentucky football recruiting. Um, it's been an interesting week because, you know, on the one hand, Kentucky is coming off um, what, one of the biggest wins in the program's modern history. So there's that euphoria in the fan base. Uh, I would say interest in Kentucky football has spiked over the past week in a way that uh, it hasn't in quite some time. This was the first time that Kentucky under Mark Stoops had really had the, the intense buildup for a game, and it went their way. They did beat Lamar Jackson at the end of the year two seasons ago, so I guess that would be an exception. But you think about the Auburn game early in Stoops' tenure about halfway through the season uh, that ended uh, in, a, in a narrow Auburn win. You think about the Florida game, it was 14-9 at then Commonwealth Stadium. You think about the three-overtime Florida game down in the swamp. Uh, I actually don't know how much anticipation there was for this game, so that that's a caveat I would throw in, but it, it certainly feels like this is the most momentum on the field that Mark Stoops has had. I think the fact not only that they beat Florida, but they're undefeated now. Um what, what makes the, the dynamics interesting is they have Murray State this week, and I'll be interested in seeing the crowd, how many people show up for the game, because you would think that it would be a huge crowd after they beat Florida. I'm not sure what it will be like just because the opponent, uh, I think a lot of fans are going to have a hard time getting overly excited about this game because the widespread expectation is it's going to be a blowout. I, I just put our staff predictions up on the website, and I picked Kentucky to win 52-17. to just not thoroughly impressed with this Murray State team. I know their quarterback, Drew Anderson, had been at Buffalo originally, went to a small school out of high school, went to Buffalo, and set their school record for like 597 passing yards, something like seven or eight touchdowns in the game against Western Michigan, and that was last year. Uh, and he's at Murray State now, but uh, he, he does some good things. He can put He can put the ball where it needs to be on the field. He's got a pretty good arm. He's got a little bit of a pedigree with what he did last year at Buffalo in the MAC, but not really impressed with the weapons that are around him. This is a team, uh, a Murray State team. The Racers have turned the ball over a lot, about eight turnovers the first two weeks of the season, so there's been some sloppy play. Um, Any time an FCS team is going on the road and hoping to pull an upset of an FBS, uh, especially a Power 5 team, they're going to need great quarterback play, and they're going to need to win the turnover margin. And uh, both of those things are going to have to go way in their direction for them to have a chance against Kentucky because I, my suspicion would be that Kentucky is going to come out emotionally a little bit flat in this game. If they don't, then that's going to be a testament to the coaching staff getting them up for Murray State after a huge win against Florida and all the distractions and, and the emotional hangover that comes from, from that. Um, but I'm kind of of the mind that if they come out flat – 
I don't think it's really a big deal. I think just about every college football team I've ever watched in my lifetime at Kentucky and elsewhere, it's virtually impossible to play your A game every single week. I think it's virtually impossible to play your A or B game virtually every single week. Most teams have a few stinkers. They have a couple of stinkers, and and just a few times throughout the season do they really play their A game. Um, You want to normally be doing that at the end of the season, but certainly uh, Kentucky executed what was – if not it's A game, a really solid B-plus game down in the swamp, and it was a great time to do that. So I wouldn't be concerned if Kentucky um, is a little bit emotionally flat for this game. That would be my prediction. Um, and if, if it's like 10-7 to 7 at halftime, 17-7, 17-10, something like that, there are going to be fans freaking out on social media. Here we go again. Mark Stoops' teams always do this. I get it. I get it. People want the blowout. Um, and... and I just wouldn't put too much stock into that. I w- it's, it's almost like, you know, if Kentucky is in the first round of the NCAA tournament and they're in like a 3-14 or a 4-13 game and they shoot like 2 for 20 from three-point range. It's like, well, it's better to do that in the first round than the second round. It's better for Kentucky to have an emotionally flat performance, a little bit of an emotional letdown against Murray State than against Mississippi State the following week. So, you know, I think they're going to be fired up for that game regardless, but I just think it's rare for a team not to have emotional letdowns, especially in circumstances such as these. I've said for several weeks now that I think that the schedule sets up really well. This Murray State game is a luxury that that 2007 team did not have. I said that this was clearly Kentucky's biggest win as a program since 2007. The next biggest would have been that win over Lamar Jackson in then Papa John's Cardinal Stadium. But, uh, you know, that that team that beat LSU, they had Florida the next week with college game day. Talk about, you know, an emotional high going into it and then losing that and then getting Mississippi State, really an underrated Mississippi State team coached by Sylvester Croom. It was really physical um, and tough enough to capitalize on what had been a grueling stretch for that Kentucky team. I was there in the stadium for that game, and everybody who watched it just realized, and I've spoken to, to Kentucky players on that team even recently about that game, there just wasn't anything left in the tank. And that's why this Murray State game comes at a really opportune time. You know, whether they're high, whether they're low, whether they're exhausted, whether they're, you know, a little bit too jacked up because of the Florida win. Um, they should be able to survive this week and and get their bearings. I'm going to be interested, and we'll get to other topics in a minute. I'm going to be interested by what Mark Stoops does in terms of um, you know substitutions, in terms of playing time, in terms of snap counts. On the one hand, I think you want Terry Wilson to continue to build his confidence in the offense. You know, the more experienced he becomes executing those RPO plays. And Eddie granted a great job of breaking one of those down on the SEC Network's uh, film room session. The more comfortable he is in the offense and calling those shots himself in the course of a game, the more the more game reps he gets. I think I think all of that plays into ball security. It plays into decision making. The two things that he's really got to improve on. His accuracy is there. His accuracy has been better than I think uh, most people believed it was going to be. I've I've looked at the numbers, and he's 17 of 21 passing from behind the line of scrimmage up to 10 yards, and a couple of those were drops. He was 11 of 16 overall against Florida, 
One of those incompletions was the pick. One of them was a ball thrown away. He just lofted it way out of bounds to avoid a sack or a negative yardage play, which is a good decision. Another one was a deep ball to Josh Ali, which probably was not perfectly thrown. It wouldn't have hit him in stride, but it gave him a chance to make a play, and only a great play by C.J. Henderson for Florida broke that pass up. And then there were a couple of drops. So really, I mean, he was he was almost perfect in terms of putting the ball in the right spot on those plays. It doesn't necessarily mean everyone was the right read, but you know his accuracy, short, intermediate especially, has been much better than I think most people probably assumed it would have been. Um, he did throw some poor deep balls against Central Michigan, but it's tough um, to feel too bad about that given the way he just put the ball on point down the field against Florida, certainly trending in the right direction. They say that a team, sometimes a player's greatest improvement, comes from week one to week two, and that was certainly true for Terry Wilson. I will say, since this is the first time I've had a chance to talk on the podcast since that Florida win, there are going to be some downs. You know, There are going to be some games where he has untimely turnovers, I feel like. He's going to make some bad passes. He's going to undershoot some guys like he like he did go into the end zone with Taven Richardson and Henderson um, stepped in front of the ball and picked it off for the goal line you know there are going to be some head scratchers some clunkers some moments when fans want to rip their hair out don't be fooled by his overall efficiency and really spectacular play against Florida he's still a first year SEC quarterback who is playing on a team with talent but is going to be playing some other teams with a heck of a lot of talent so the one thing I would say is, remember, this is the guy who broke the streak. When he throws an interception, when he's got a two-fumble half, whatever it is, this is the guy who broke the streak. And he can make plays that no other Kentucky quarterback that I've ever seen is capable of making. I counted three times there should have been negative yardage plays. Ripped down in the backfield, almost a botched handoff. Something really bad could have happened. A lot of times, you know, those plays would have been going the other way for touchdowns. For the other team and he would spin out of a tackle and zoom up the sideline for like 15 yards and a first down he did that once on third down deep in kentucky's territory ran, ran, ran around the left side of the line and had a huge first down conversion that might have been the play after the botched pitch to benny snell which was ruled an incompletion i can't totally recall but i think it was about the same point in the game third quarter when they ultimately went down and scored a touchdown on about a 90-yard drive. Um, And he did that a couple more times. So we've known, and this is what frustrated me a little bit with the, the harshest criticism of Terry Wilson. And if you weren't on board with Wilson from the start, you wanted Gunnar Hoke to be the guy, then I understand where you're coming from. At least I understand it better. But if you had accepted the coach's decision... And you were gonna, you were, you were on board and understanding their decision to go with Wilson. You knew going into it that he was the high risk, high reward guy. You knew that you were gonna have to take uh, some lumps. You were gonna have to take the bad, the learning curve, the newness, the rust with the good. So just don't overreact is all I would say, is what I would recommend. Don't be too harsh on the guy. Sometimes people can be victims of their own expectations. And this Kentucky team, that's going to be some, they're going to be judged all season long if they lose to Vanderbilt. Well, how do, you, how do you beat Florida and lose to Vanderbilt? I'm not saying they're going to, but sometimes teams, coaches, players can be victims of their own expectations that they create. Um, just, just keep in mind, players have ups and downs. Terry Wilson is not a finished product. 
But he's certainly off to a great start. And, and given that he's got three years of eligibility remaining, I think he's really changed the outlook for this Kentucky program. Not just the team, but one, one of the narratives. And I kind of tackled this question in the offseason. I kind of fell prey to this thinking myself at one point. How is this team going to function? How is the program going to function? What direction is it going to take? Which course is it going to chart? If Benny Snell leaves early, if you're losing your entire starting secondary, if Josh Allen is gone, uh, you know, so many losses to deal with. Um, it was it was almost starting to look like, to me and some other people, well, they've got to accomplish a certain amount this year because next year is going to be a rebuilding year. And I have to say, I caught myself before the start of the season, that was premature because if Terry Wilson turned out, turns out to be the player that he was uh, in the Florida game and he builds on that, then that totally changes the equation, the outlook for the program moving forward, potentially coming back next year, regardless of what Snell does. Um, A.J. Rose in the backfield, Terry Wilson at quarterback, most of your offensive line rotation once again. And because Landon Young is out, probably better offensive tackle depth than they've had in quite some time. If one of these guys can move over and effectively play the right side, you know, still bringing back a lot on the defensive line, you potentially get Josh Paschal back, you would have to hope. Um, You know, most of your linebackers, you feel good about Cash Daniel coming back. The secondary is going to be a question, and and that's one thing that I will be watching this week. Um, how many snaps are those young guys in the secondary going to get? Devontae Robinson has gotten a fair number of snaps this year, and I think he's played okay. Obviously, he had the touchdown against Florida that was. It's almost like he he didn't know what to do with it, but you know he he played quite a bit in the first game against Central Michigan. Jordan Griffin will be back. That's something that we can't understate the impact of. You know, what's Yusuf Corker going to do? What's Tyrell going to do? What is uh, uh, Michael Nesbitt? What are they going to do? Getting those guys snaps in a game like this is going to be an important part of the equation. One important part. It's not going to help, you know, everything. It's not going to make them ready next season. But, you know, there's no substitute for live game action. So, So... but besides that, you want to rest guys as much as possible going into that Mississippi State game. Take it, you get one bye week in the regular season, but SEC teams have basically built in a second bye week with these FCS opponents, depending on when they fall on the schedule. You know, take advantage of it. Mike Edwards and Darius West and Lonnie Johnson and Derek Beatty, those guys in the secondary have played an awful lot of snaps through the first two games of the season. Still too early in the year for most of these guys who are young and elite athletes, really in great top physical condition, to really be be worn down. And they are. It is a healthy team, it seems like. But reset, get those guys back to kind of the level of health and rest that they were at at the beginning of the season, and that would be huge going into a stretch against Mississippi State, South Carolina, and Texas A&M. Just a really brutal grind. That you know, if they could win two of those games, that's an outstanding start to the season that I don't think anybody, you know, honestly anticipated starting 5 and 1 and you know if if they even win one of those 3 games coupled with the Florida win paired with the Florida win you're still on track to accomplish a heck of a lot by the standards of Kentucky football in the modern era so rest those guys up Mark Stoops said this week he told Jeff Drummond and reporters that were there in Lexington that Quentin Bohanna um you know, he had he had been coming back from the injury that had slowed him and kept him on the sidelines. He's only played 19 snaps through two weeks. 
Pro Football Focus tells us, and that's a great partnership, by the way. Love working with those guys. They gave us a completely new angle and insight into the game. Um, Stoops wants Bahanna to play this weekend, and I understand that. You know, he hasn't played a whole lot this year, so let him shake the rust off. Let him get into the groove before the grind starts up. But I just think this is a good week to get some reps for guys like Marquand McCall and DeAndre Square, get Chris Oates on the field at linebacker for the first time this year. You know, build as much young depth for the future, especially in the secondary for the future, but in the front seven, some of those guys you're going to need later on this year when your depth really comes into play. Because um, the SEC, as we as we know, is always a grind. Um, so that's something that I'm going to be watching. Could be a good week to get some snaps for Gunnar Hoke, who, uh, excuse me, um, who, you know, you might very well need at some point this season. If Terry Wilson's running the ball, Five to ten times a game, whether scrambles or undesigned runs, he's taking hits by guys that you're going to see, you know, really big guys on Mississippi State's front seven. You know, Kentucky fans know a lot of times you got to go to your second quarterback. Sometimes you have to go to your third quarterback. So it would be a good week to get Gunnar Hope some reps, maybe keep him happy, keep him interested, and, and serve as a reminder for him that, you know, he's still very much a part of this team and could have a huge say in determining how much success – that they have. So, uh, you know, you got to get Wilson more involved in the offense in terms of making decisions, experience, uh, working on ball security. I also think they need to work on getting the ball to the receivers on the outside. And I've written about this a couple times this week, times this week, if you've been at the site, but you know, they've been very good at running the ball between the tackles, off tackle, over the guard, pulling guard. They, they run the ball really well. It's a great rushing team. Could go down as the best rushing team in Kentucky history if they continue at this pace. I think they'll be okay getting the ball to C.J. Conrad. My expectations for the, the overall numbers at this point are just not what they used to be. They've done a great job of getting the ball to the inside receivers, especially down the field recently against Florida. Dorian Baker, Taven Richardson blocked really well against Florida. Graded out, according to Pro Football Focus, really well blocking against Florida. But Kentucky's got to involve those guys in the passing game um, just to give defenses something else to worry about, to keep the safeties back, to, to occasionally <coughs> you know, force, force somebody to pick up a double team, um, to keep the middle of the field you know, open or as open as possible. You know, you get later in the season, defenses are watching more film on you. They can start to take things away. Or they can start to chip away at what you do well if you have a glaring deficiency. And right now, the only glaring deficiency for Kentucky's offense consistently through the season has been they have not gotten the ball well to the receivers down the field. I think Tavid Richardson has had one nice kind of intermediate game this year. And Dorian Baker against Central Michigan ran – a crossing pattern, kind of a deep crossing pattern over the middle of the field, something like a 21-yard gain, and he took a big hit and held on to it. But there really haven't been a lot of, you know, great moments for the outside receivers. Ali and Epps, there have been more close calls, just like last season. Ali, I think it was Ali on the long pass from Wilson, broken up by Henderson. Um, one of them drew a pass interference call on Gunnar Hope's first possession, the touchdown drive against Central Michigan. But they got to get those guys more involved in the offense. Um It'll be interesting to see see more of Cleavon Thomas and Zaire Hughes and guys like that, but interested in Dorian Baker, Taven Richardson, getting more involved in the offense. Um, one of the things that I wanted to touch on in this 
solo podcast is I, I hate doing the drama because we like to keep it strictly to the game so we can all become smarter watchers of Kentucky football and dig as deep as possible. That's just kind of our niche. But somebody uh, sent me a, a message on Twitter kind of um, pointing out that Danny Clark, Kentucky's third-string quarterback, we assume third-string quarterback Danny Clark, had sent out a tweet. <laughs> and uh, he has since deleted the tweet. I did save a screenshot of it and let me see if I can pull it up here here's what uh, here's what Danny Clark's father said it's loading slowly the guy goes by the name bad MF on Twitter <laughs> and that that should tell you a little bit he goes by the name bad MF um, I have to be honest I had heard stories about Danny Clark's father before he arrived at Kentucky. Let's just say he um, he's an interesting character. Um, been very involved with his son's football career. Been very involved with where they were going to high school, making helping them to make decisions, you know, as a father should in high school. But um, let's just say I wasn't shocked when he tweeted, Bad MF, Danny Clark's father, very excited about the new D1 football transfer rules that take begin or that take place or begin I think he was trying to say in two weeks very excited about the new D1 football transfer rules that are going to take place soon and he has since deleted that tweet I think because I quoted it and said it was an interesting tweet he probably got some feedback from somebody at Kentucky and I'm sure there's been a conversation behind the scenes can I just say that that's one reason I would never want to be a quarterback's coach or an offensive coordinator or a coach of any sport period is dealing with dads. That has to suck. It, it is a horrible part of the job. I've covered recruiting for 15, 16 years. Well before I became publisher, Cats Illustrated, I was doing exclusively college football recruiting. And as a recruiting analyst who just reported on recruiting and didn't have any say over the rankings, my least favorite part of that job was dealing with dads. No offense. I mean, I'm a dad. I've got four sons. I've got a daughter on the way. Dealing with dads when it comes to sports is awful. I get it. We're dads. We think our sons are the greatest thing at everything they do. Our judgment is clouded. It's colored. It's, it, our perspective is very narrow. We have tunnel vision. I think any dad is going to be that way to a certain extent. I think it's a mark of being a good dad is being that invested in your kid and, and just seeing so many good things about him. But, you know, I've had bad experiences dealing with dads who have just been constant complainers and, and just, frankly, um, difficult to deal with. And I don't want to read too much into this, but I don't see any way you interpret this in any other way. And he tagged both of his sons. He tagged Danny Clark in the tweet. He, he tagged his, his other son, who's a class of 2020 recruit, committed Alabama in the tweet. I mean, to me, it's basically saying, you know, I want my son to to look at transferring from Kentucky. And if you dig into it a little bit more, somebody else pointed out to me in a Twitter message, Danny Clark's dad is now following a bunch of the coaches on Cincinnati's coaching staff. So, I mean, I don't see how, how you can explain that away and the fact that he deleted it and has not since addressed it. And he has left up a tweet 
showing a video that kind of describes some of the changes to the transfer process. So what does that mean? The NCAA D1 transfer working group have made it so in the near future, and this is what Clark's dad is referring to, bad MF. They're making it so schools and coaches can't block student-athlete transfers. That was kind of a gray area in the past. Usually those things wouldn't stand up to scrutiny if a player really forced the issue, but a lot of coaches would say, you can transfer, but we won't give you a release if you're going to go here or here. There will also be a national database for student-athletes to make it known that they want to be recruited by other schools, so to make theoretically make the process easier for them. These are changes that are meant to shift the emphasis towards the interests of the student-athlete uh, who wants to transfer. The, the counterbalance to that is the penalties for schools that tamper, that initiate contact, improper contact with players who are under scholarship with another school, those penalties will be more severe. And that's meant to um, clean up the process while they're kind of moving towards the Wild West. I think the changes are good. They're steps in the right direction. It's not perfect, but I think the NCAA deserves credit when they make positive steps. And I think that, you know, it's about people, right? It's not, a, we, people cheer for programs. I get it. They're kind of non-human, larger than human collective entities. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's about players, about individuals, about their interests, it's about their future, their decisions, their autonomy. So I, I commend the NCAA anytime they move in that direction. Um, regardless of why, certainly their hand has been forced with lawsuits and with negative negative publicity and things like that. But, but anyways, that's what Danny Clark's dad was referring to. I don't see any way you interpret it other than, than alluding to that possibility for Danny Clark. I just think the timing of this is atrocious. It's atrocious. It's and not for Kentucky because, you know, Danny Clark is only going to play if Terry Wilson got hurt and then Gunnar Hope got hurt. Could happen. Um... I don't think this means anything about Danny. Everything that I've heard, by all accounts, he's been a phenomenal teammate. You know, people at Kentucky have tweeted about this. People in the athletics department have tweeted about he's the first guy cheering on the sidelines. He's got the most positive attitude. He's a great leader. He's got the best quality he has as a quarterback are his is his intangibles. So that doesn't reflect on him at all, and that makes it all the more unfortunate uh, that the timing of this is so atrocious. Um, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But first, I wanted to get to an ad. And I wouldn't be introducing Steve Canfield of Canfield Real Realty here on the podcast unless I believe that he was he was offering something that our community at Cats Illustrated would, would in, be interested in and, and would potentially really benefit from. If you are in the market for buying a new home, we at Cats Illustrated have one person in mind. Steve Canfield of Canfield Realty, and you need to reach out to him. He'll take care of you. Make Steve your agent. Let him help you get the home of your dreams, and you will receive a 40% commission rebate. That's right. Not an exaggeration. 100% legal. 40%. 4-0. No strings attached. No fine print. Steve Canfield will make your home buying experience more affordable, more enjoyable, less stressful. You can pocket that extra money, put it into your home, factor it. However you want, Steve Canfield is your guy. 40% commission rebate. If you use him to buy a home right now, again, we think he's a good fit. 
to partner with us. We appreciate him sponsoring Cats Illustrated, and we would recommend him. I looked his website up, and he's he's got the highest reviews on Zillow that you could possibly have. Uh, he, he's ranked in the top 10 of agents out of like something like 35, 3,700 agents in the Louisville area. You can go to CanfieldRealtyGroup.com. That's C-A-N-F-I-E-L-D RealtyGroup.com. Or you can reach out to Steve directly at 502-649-5687. That's 502-649-5687. You ought to check him out. And if you're interested in buying a home, if it's something you've been thinking about, you had a conversation with the wife or somebody else about, you need to check him out. So what what makes the timing of this so atrocious? Let me get back to Danny Clark's father's tweet. Is this The circumstances are not even ripe for a quarterback controversy, for malcontents. Like, they're coming off an enormous program win, potentially a program changing, definitely a narrative changing win at Florida. It's not like Terry Wilson has been awful. Yeah, I mean, he was pretty bad against Central Michigan, but he was awesome against Florida. He just won some national quarterback award. Like, he's gotten incredible publicity. Like, even just making a calculation as a dad who wants the best for his son you would think somebody would, would assume this is not the right time to air a grievance or to air, you know, some kind of, all right, we got to get out of here. Like, celebrate the win for a little while. You know, part of it, part of it is just like the optics of it. Like, Terry Wilson's not struggling. Kentucky's quarterback situation is good. Like, you don't want to be the guy who's seen as like going against the current and being selfish with your interests when everybody else is moving in lockstep and, and accomplishing things that doesn't, it's, it's a bad look for your son who by all accounts has been a great teammate and it's just bad for the team. I don't think it's going to be a distraction because you know, the quarterback battle is between Terry Wilson and Gunnar Hoke and there's really no quarterback controversy at this point. Some people have said this at the site, and I happen to agree with them. I think there probably will be some attrition at the quarterback position after this season. I don't want to say who it's going to be. I don't want to, you know, take take bets on whether it's going to be Gunnar Hoke or Danny Clark or either of them. For me, the only really significant thing that Kentucky needs to make sure is they don't lose both of them. You don't want to be in a position going into 2019 where it's Terry Wilson and Walker Wood and, and Nick Scalzo. You know, I, th- I think you need one of those two guys to come back, and I think it would be a poor decision for both of them to leave, you know, because, you know, programs do go on to second quarterback. We've gotten to a point where it's so customary for quarterbacks to transfer that it just really has to be a miserable personality management situation for quarterbacks, coaches, and for head coaches. And, I you know, I would hate to have to deal with that, but... You know, that's just that's why they get paid the big bucks. And Mark Stoops has has talked about that in the past, and he's right. You know, he takes the blame for things, he takes the scrutiny for things, he's gotta deal with dads, and he's gotta deal with malcontents. And you know, I just feel bad for Danny Clark more than anything because the timing of this was uh was really awful. I wanna cut this short because my voice is starting to go. I'm gonna bring Jeff on to an upcoming podcast here in the next little while. We'll bring David Sisk on for another basketball recruiting podcast because a lot has been going on with that, with Calipari on the road, with you know guys visiting, with in-home visits, things like that. 
Continue to check us out on the site. Today is Friday. We've got staff predictions for the Kentucky-Murray State game. I put up three keys. Not keys to a Kentucky win against Murray State because I'm kind of taking that for granted. You can tweet at freezing old takes or cold takes if I'm wrong about that. But three things that I, I think Kentucky should strive for to, to continue their forward momentum going into a tough stretch of the schedule. Not going to be a big visit weekend recruiting-wise. I know Kentucky has really wanted Shankel Knight Goff to visit with his mom this weekend. I spoke with somebody today who believes that visit unofficially is going to happen. Why Knight Goff? I don't know. I don't know why he's been the emphasis, but I think they realize that the time is right. Uh, coming off a big win against Florida. Maybe they sense that they've got his attention, that he's responded well. Let's get him. Let's try to strike while the iron's hot. Uh, but they really want Knight Goff in for the unofficial visit. I don't think it's going to be a big visit for, for a big week, weekend for visits other than that. And I know uh, Mark Stoops and Vince Mara have visited Wandale Robinson earlier today. They're going to see uh, Knight Goff later on today or tonight. And they were also going to see um, DeMonte Tete Crooms, the receiver from Butler who's committed to Kentucky. Um, but other than that, um, wide receiver C.J. Boone of St. Louis is going to be announcing his decision on Instagram, I want to say tomorrow. could be wrong about that. Um, but I think most people suspect Missouri will be the choice. Missouri really wasn't a big factor in Boone's recruitment early. It was Kentucky, Missouri. Then it kind of seemed like Kentucky was kind of, you know, sneaking in there as the school to beat. But I think Missouri has uh, probably taken the inside track. And I'll be surprised if Boone doesn't pick Missouri. Um, I do like where Kentucky stands with Wandale Robinson in terms of receivers. And then Isaiah Gibson, defensive tackle from Springfield, teammate of Moses Douglas, Kentucky legacy and commit. Gibson's going to be deciding between Kentucky, Purdue, and Wisconsin on the 19th. Other than that, junior college cornerback Brandon Eccles, I believe it's pronounced Eccles, Eccles, is going to be probably making an October decision, which is when Robinson, Wandale Robinson, will be announcing as well. So things are really going to heat up recruiting-wise over the next two weeks. If you're not a member of Cats Illustrated right now, for a limited time, you can take advantage of our 50% off the cost of a new annual subscription at Cats Illustrated. Hope you join us in conversation, always ongoing at the House of Blue and all of our forums. Thank you for listening. Hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy watching the Cats. Be safe. Don't do anything crazy. If you're drinking, don't drive. And uh, enjoy your weekend. Thanks a lot.